Standing for the reading of the Word of God, would you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'd like to read responsibly the last 10 verses of the chapter, beginning in verse number 25. Allow me to read verse 25 and the succeeding odd-numbered verses. Would you read with me verse 26, as well as the succeeding even-numbered verses through verse 34, the last verse of the chapter. Once again, that's Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 through 34, and reading responsively. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking one thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take therefore no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray, first of all, a prayer of comfort to every child of God in this room this morning. Lord, certainly we pray for those that are not with us this morning, especially those that are sick and shut in amongst us, Lord. Pray a prayer of blessing upon them. Lord, we pray for our church body as a whole. But most of all, now we pray at this time, we pray for the hearers of the word of God. You might speak to every heart, and we'll thank you for it. If there be one that knows not Christ as their Savior, may today be the day of sins forgiven and a home in heaven. Well, thank you for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 6. I always, almost always pick a text verse in my pattern of preaching on Sunday mornings at least. We have a teaching type message this morning. But I want to draw your attention to a phrase in three verses. The first phrase is found in verse number 25. It's the three identical phrases, by the way. Verse 25 we see, in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to his disciples, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat or more than food, and the body more than raiment and more than clothes? Verse 31 of the same text Again, we find the phrase in a concludatory statement here, therefore, summation statement again, when we find that word therefore, therefore take no thought, Jesus said. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? 
What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Repetitive. It's almost like verse 25, isn't it? Verse 34. Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I want to deal with this subject this morning of the, and I call it what it is as Christians, the sin of worry. The sin of worry. Now, I know nobody here ever worries about anything. Right now, though, some of you are probably worried about the length of this message as you look at the bulletin here. Uh, don't worry, we're going to be very fast, rapid fire. I got 28 points, and uh, that means I got about a minute a point here, so we'll get through it here together. But I start off by uh, letting you know that, of course, the snow flew last week, a week and a half ago now, and it's stuck here. It's, it's, it's here, as we can tell. But uh, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, I pulled in the church, and it was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was in the back of the church, and I was, I was sitting in my car, and, and I, was, I was checking my voicemail, my texting, I guess, and, and I looked across into the field, into that, that valley over there, and I saw a deer, and then I saw two deer, then I saw three deer, then I saw four deer, and, they, and I, I was looking at them, and I could swear they could see me in my car sitting in back here, and so I, 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 I was intrigued. It was so beautiful. It was cold and uh, very, very cold that morning. It was Thursday morning, maybe it was. And so I got out of my car and I started walking towards the, the, out through the parking lot and I started getting closer and closer and closer as I could. They were down in this valley right over here. And uh, they were just eyeing me. Some of them were looking behind the trees. And, uh, or they were, and the, I didn't realize how good deer blend into trees. I mean, they had the same color, if you noticed, the last time you noticed. And... Uh, I, I saw these deer, and finally they, uh, they, they looked at me the whole time they were watching me, just still as could be, and I could see their eyes were fixed with my eyes. I got as close as I could, I wanted to see how close I could get, but I didn't want to go over the snow mounds. And I got uh, certain, to a certain point, and I started to move a little bit, and one deer finally, he, he started to trot off real fast, and other three deer followed him. But I had this thought, it was cold out there, very cold. I just got done sleeping in a warm bed in a warm house. Where do they sleep? They didn't go to a house there, you know, their deer house at night there. I don't know, but uh, I was thinking, what do they eat? I don't know much about deer. Sorry, Janet. I know George is not here this morning, but George knows a lot about deer, about how to, how to dress deer, I guess I say, say it that way. But uh, how did, what do deer do in the wintertime? Well, they're evidently okay. They're just doing, they do just fine. God takes care of those deer and uh, therefore our enjoyment. Now, I'll let you read between the lines on what do you mean by enjoyment. Some, some people have enjoyment with deer in other ways than just looking at them, if you know what I mean. And, uh, but uh, God takes care of the deer. God takes care of, uh, in this passage of Scripture, he takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the birds of the air. Are we not much more better than they? I want to deal with the subject of worry this morning. Worry is defined as to feel distressed in the mind. Be anxious, troubled, uneasy. A mental fixation with that, is usually, with that which is usually future-focused. And there's so much to worry about if you start to think about it. And I put in the bulletin this morning here, you know, this is supposed to be, uh, we did a little jingle in the word, of the word from the pastor, uh, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, it's supposed to be a joyous time of the year, and hopefully it is a joyous time of the year the most joyous time of the whole year, supposedly. But let's be real. It's a time of, uh, a time of extra relatives. <laughs> it's a time of traveling. 
It's a time of money. It's a time of uh, gift buying. It's a time of, for some people, it's a time of loneliness. It's a time of fractured families and so forth and anxiety. And there's a lot of stress in the year. Those days are getting shorter and the nights are getting longer, of course, and it's getting colder outside and it does something to our psyche. We begin to worry about so many different things. So I want to give you this morning here, and uh, I'm going to hurry along here, so don't get nervous about the length of the message. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. But I want you to notice seven negative effects of worry. First of all, letter A in the worksheet, and this is more of a, admittedly, a Wednesday night message or a Sunday school message, but uh, hang on, we'll get through it, and it'll be a blessing, I trust. And uh, on purpose, I want to be easy this morning, or nice this morning, I guess, is the, the uh, sound bar that I want here, sound bite that I want. Letter A, worry raises questions. Why should we not worry? Because it raises questions about the goodness and ability of, of God Almighty. The Bible says in Psalm 84, verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. We serve a good God. We serve a God that's gracious to us. Even in this winter time. I mean, we were able to get out of, out of our house this morning. We were able to come into a good, warm building. We, you had the health enough to be here. You had the gas enough in your car. You had a car to be able to get here. God's so good to us in so many different ways. God's, God's a good God. And when we worry, we begin to question the goodness of God, his ability and his, his graciousness and mercy and long-suffering in our life. But letter B, I only get a minute and a point for the record, so here goes. Letter B. Worry dominates and even consumes thoughts. Worry, we worry about everything if we're not careful. Numbers 14 and verse 2, I wish I had time to develop this, but let me do it quickly. The children of Israel have been for 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt. Then God, by his divine, miraculous uh, power, he sends 80-year-old Moses to deliver the children out of the, lead them through the Exodus, through the Red Sea and the ten plagues and so forth, and destroys the army of Pharaoh that had been their oppressors for 400 years. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're heading to the promised land that the Lord promised he would give them. And the Bible says, And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would to God... We had died in this wilderness. They got to thinking of all, instead of thinking of all the miracles of how God had brought them out of the land of bondage and were bringing them into the promised land, they thought of all the negatives. They began to think of all the worries and they began to question God and their, their thoughts were consumed with negativity. Well, that leads me to letter C. A third negative effect of worry is that worry disrupts and eliminates productivity. It disrupts and eliminates productivity. And it, uh, it causes us to be anti-productive and paralyzes us, of course. And it causes us to just freeze and be afraid to do anything to correct and remedy our situation that we might currently be in. Letter D, worry negatively affects the way we treat other people. You see, worry is, in many cases, egocentric or a fancy word for self-centered. We think of our problems and we don't, we don't think of the people, problems of other people, of course, and we, don't, we, we treat people, uh, we're preoccupied with worry, and often we're abrupt with people, we're irritable, we're even unresponsive because we're all consumed with our own self-interest and our own problems that we have in our own life. And we begin to treat people wrongly. We think the world revolves around us. Remember the key to joy, Jesus first, 
others second, yourself last. And when we begin to worry, we put ourselves at the front of the, the, the equation, and it's everything is about us. We begin to treat people negatively. We think that people are to be our servants instead of us being their servants. Letter E, a, a fifth negative effect of worry. Worry tends to be self-fulfilling. A fixation on problems makes it more likely that what is anticipated will come to pass. We, we, we have, we, worry tends to have a self-fulfilling prophecy. I uh, like what Henry Ford said. Uh, he was a can-do guy. He said, whether you can or whether you can't, you're right. Whether you can or whether you can't, you're right. You begin to think negatively, and uh, there's something to PME, that's positive mental attitude. I can do, Philippians 4, 13 says it this way, I can do what? All things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of peace and of a sound mind. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Not unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly with all that we think or ask according to the power that worketh in us. Worry tends to be self-fulfilling. We start to go down that proverbial rabbit hole. All oh, things are going bad, things are going bad, and it's going to end in catastrophe, and we, we have, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in our life. Letter F. Worry paralyzes our ability to think through and find actual solutions to the problems. Worry paralyzes our ability to think through and find actual solutions to the problems. We're reactive instead of proactive. God's called us to, he says, we have, we're, we're to, we, he has a burden for us to bear, a yoke for us to carry, but his burden is uh, easy. His burden is, or his yoke is light. Or I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> He's, uh, uh, he gives us a burden to bear. There's responsibilities to be had, but God is able to, uh, accomplish in us what he calls us to do because he's given us that ability and, and uh, we need to trust him and look for solutions when we get into a jam or in a problem. Letter G, worry can create health problems. So I, talked in, I typed into Dr. Google the other day. You know, Dr. Google knows everything. Uh, it's every, every different way, of course. And, uh, so I typed in, uh, what, does, what are the health risks of worrying? And I came up with, uh, of course, a whole bunch of websites came up. The very first one came up was uh, uh, 15 side effects of worry or stress. I thought I'd encourage you right now, so hang on here. Let me encourage you by the health issues that are caused by worry. Uh, the article said that chronic emotional stress can affect virtually every organ system in a negative way in your body. And then it has a list of 15, and I won't read them all for time's sake here. Let me read a uh, majority of them. Uh, what worry does to our health? Well, it's the weakening of our immune system. And uh, it makes more likely for colds and for infections. High, it causes high blood pressure, upset stomach, ulcers, acid reflux, uh, increased rapid heartbeat and heart palpitations, panic attacks, can lead to heart attacks, uh, cardiovascular problems, increased in blood sugar levels, Sorry about this, irritable bowel syndrome. Sorry about that, but backaches, tension, headaches, migraines, sleep problems, chronic fatigue syndrome, respiratory problems and heavy breathing, worsening of skin conditions and such as eczema, all self-induced by 
worrying, self-fulfilling prophecies cause, cause, worry or causes health problems in our life. And so you say, preacher, do we need to be, the Bible says, take no thought, take no thought, take no thought for your life. Whether what you eat or what you put on, God says, I got it under control. Well, shouldn't we have some concern? Well, they, they, there is a difference between worry and concern. The difference is worry immobilizes, immobilizes. Concern moves us to action. We ought to be concerned for the state of conditions that we're in if we're in a bad way. We ought to move forward in a positive way. God's given us the strength, and again, we can uh, accomplish great things through Christ that's, that strengthens us. And so worry immobilizes, but fear or concern moves us to action. Then, then moving forward here, seven reasons not to worry. Let me give you seven reasons not to worry according to the text. Now let's go to our, back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Notice it with me, please, once again. Which of you, by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature. And so, letter A, worry is futile and cannot cha- can't change anything. You can't add one inch to your stature. I've told the story before, but I love it. I saved $5,000 by one inch. And uh, I got life, term life insurance numbers of years ago now, seven, eight, nine years ago, whatever it was. And I remember sitting in my office and... Uh, you know how you fill out all your, your vitals and they, they, they got to have a health, you know, got to go to the doctor. You know how you people that have health insurance, you know, rather life insurance, you know what you got to do. So I, uh, I put down that I was five foot nine and X amount of pounds. Well, that put me in the middle category and it made my insurance for a month with X amount of dollars, of course. I didn't get the best rating. I got a good rating, but not the best rating. And uh, so I... Uh, so the insurance salesman was in my office, and I was sitting at my desk, and I was signing the papers, and I signed them. And when he got up to shake my hand, I stood up to shake his hand, and he, we, he reached across the desk, and, and he says, uh, shook my hand and said, well, thank you, Pastor and Reverend, whatever he called me. And, uh, and uh, I thought that was the end of it. He says, is you're only 5'9"? And I says, yeah, I'm 5'9". He says, well, I'm 5'9", and you look a little taller than I am. I says, no, I'm not taller than you are. And... Uh, so he walked out. I had his contract already signed. I got to thinking about it. Well, I just guessed I was 5'9". So I went in the back bathroom. I got, a, I, got a, I got a ruler. I put it on my head. I took my shoes off, and I took a pencil, and I marked the back of it. Uh, and uh, I, I got a tape measure. I measured it, and I was 5'9 and 3 quarters inch tall. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, a day or two went by, and I realized that if I was, see, if I was 5'10", my life insurance policy would be drastically reduced. I called him up and said, I think I'm 5'10", which means I could have another seven or eight pounds of weight on me, which I had. And they said, uh, they brought in the nurse. They said, well, we got to check you out. And they brought in the nurse, and she, she took me to the same bathroom, put that, you know, put that thing on my head there and made sure me. said, you're 5'9 and 5'8". I lost an eighth inch somehow. But we got to round up to the nearest inch. You're 5'10". So I'm 5'10". That saved me $5,000 on my insurance. So I want you to know that you can add one cubit to your statue if you, if you measure right. No, I'm, I'm just teasing you. But, but uh, worry is a futile thing. You can't change anything about it. I'm no longer 5'9 and 5'8". So I'm probably, I'm, uh, the, the gravity challenge is hitting me, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, uh, I'm less than I was uh, a few years ago now, but uh, height-wise at least for sure. But uh, letter B, 
Worry shows the second reason not to worry is worry shows skewered, skewered priorities. You see, the Bible says, for what is your life, or verse number 33, rather, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, our focus should be on things above, not on things on the earth. We're, we're, we're all consumed with our life. According to James, do you know what your life is? It's a vapor. We're here today and gone, gone tomorrow. We're here for a little while and then we vanish away. We, all, we go the way of all the earth. We have skewered priorities. We think we're going to live forever on planet earth. That's not the case. This world's not our home. We're just passing through. Letter C, a third negative reason not to worry. It's worry is, is a sign of little faith. Verse number 30, notice it with me again. Wherefore, if God clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? We, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that without faith it is impossible to please him. Our life is, is, in, is in God. We have to live this life by faith. When we worry, we show very little faith. We think that God can take care of the grass, but he can't take care of us. He can take care of the, the, the birds of the air, but he can't take care of us. Take care of those deer out there in the middle of winter, but he can't take care of us. He can take care of the lilies of the field, but he can't take care of us. And so we, we, we show little faith. Then letter E, worry makes, us, makes you no different than your unsaved neighbor. Verse 32, the Bible says, for all these things do the Gentiles seek after. Pro protection, provision, meat, raiment, clothing, food. For your heavenly Father knoweth what ye have need of, uh, need of all these things. We show no difference than the unsaved man when we begin to worry. The distinction of Christianity is that we can look tribulation square in the face and laugh at it. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I didn't come, this, in case you haven't figured out, this message is message of, supposed to be a message of encouragement this morning, so I'm not trying to bum you out. But you're going to die one day. We're all going to die one day, barring the rapture. And uh, again, this world is not our home, of course. How do we face Death. Well, the Christ, as a Christian, we face it with the smile of God on our face. I used uh, Jim Jones as an illustration many times. I'm not talking about Jim Jones from Guyana. I'm talking about Jim Jones from New Britain, Connecticut. Went home to be with the Lord about a year and a half ago. I told the story a half a dozen times. Here's seven times, I'm sure. But I went and visited Jim on his last day of his life, and he knew it was his last day of his life. They were going to pull the proverbial plug. He was totally cogent. He was totally with it. He was able to talk to me and eight or ten people in the hospital room. We were laughing and joking and cutting up and then talking about the goodness of God and salvation in Christ. And uh, he said, well, Pastor, pray for me. And uh, so I prayed for him. He, and he gave me a big hug and he said, I love you. I'll see you soon. And about three hours later or four hours later that evening, of course, he passed into eternity. He was in heaven. He knew. He looked, looked death right square in the face, not with worry, but with the peace of God that passes understanding. And he said, Lord, I'm coming home. I'm going to see you again. When we worry, we are no different than our unsaved counterparts. Letter F. Worry is, sixthly, a waste of time because he is well aware of our needs and has promised to supply every, every need. And uh, 
it's, I, I, I typed in in Google again, uh, the things that we worry about, how much come to pass. You know, they say this is a December 7th, uh, two years ago, two, two, 2017 uh, poll they did. Lo and behold, I'm reading, lo and behold, it turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of the subjects discovered even, either they could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry, worry over is, 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 is foolish. In other words, it doesn't even happen. 85% of what we worry about never happens, and yet we worry about everything. We worry about tomorrow. We worry about our finances. We worry about our uh, economics. We worry about our health. We worry about our family. We worry about this, that, and other thing, and most of it never happens to begin with. It's a waste of time. We're wasting uh, valuable time. Then letter G, lastly, in regards to the seven reasons not to worry, it is foolish to worry about something that will happen tomorrow. Verse 34 says, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought over the things of itself. Sufficient. We got enough to think about today. <laughs> think today. You're, you're in the house of God this morning. It's, it's a beautiful day out there, even though it's cold. You, got, you were able to get here. Uh, you're going to probably have lunch after the service. How many know, are thinking about lunch right now? The rest of you are lying. You're, you're not, some of you are telling the truth. Some of you, some of you think of good lunch that you're going to have. We have so much to be thankful for. You're going to get through today, probably. Tomorrow, we have no guarantee. <laughs> Tomorrow, the world might end. <laughs> Tomorrow, your world might end. My world might end. But why bother worry about trouble, of course, and borrow, borrow trouble? Uh, we have just today's, uh, today's promise. But then I want you to go, let's look at seven antidotes for worry now. Letter A, verse 25 again. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet what, for your body what you shall put on. It's not your life more than meat and your body than raiment. And uh, the first antidote for worry is it keeps a proper, keep a proper focus. Spiritual life and eternal life are far more important than earthly life. We're, as I've already said, we're just passing through. Keep our focus. This world's not our home. We're going to live, you think how much time we spend just preparing for our three score and ten. Whether it be life insurance, health, what have you. I got a dentist appointment tomorrow. I dread dentists. Don't you, have, don't, don't you dread dentist appointments? Like, why am I worried about my teeth? One day they're going to be rotten in the grave anyhow. So. <laughs> but uh, I'm worried about it right now. Three times a year or two times a year I go for my cleaning. You know, I don't even like cleanings. That's how much I hate dentists. But anyhow. But uh, we spend a lot of time on the, the here and now, and not much time on the hereafter. This is, we're just here for just a blip on the radar screen. Here today and gone for tomorrow, forever and ever and ever. Our focus is wrong. We worry, we're about the, 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 the short, infinite, finite time called planet Earth. Letter B, we've already addressed this, so we'll just touch on it. Observe the natural world around you. We talked about the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, the lilies of the field. By the way, you know, I got, just, just for the record, you all know about Black Friday, and you all know my fetish for flowers. And uh, so we got these poinsettias. You know how much they cost on Good Friday at, at Home Depot? You know how much they were? Anybody? Uh, 99 cents, so there. 
But, uh, you know, I don't know, we take for granted these beautiful poinsettias, an example of flowers. I, I know, I'm trying to, do you ever study a leaf? Look at those beautiful flowers. We didn't, you know, I'm so, so crazy. I came in here this morning and uh, into the church building and, uh, yeah, we got a pretty nice looking auditorium, right? We got a nice looking building, you know. Uh, I came in a warm building. We got nice green pews. They're padded. We got a lot of things. What do I see? I see the, we got all these poinsettias around. I see the couple of them. I don't want to point them out because we moved them. The leaves are dying, so I hit a high in them. I'm worried about the leaves that are dying on the poinsettias. Crazy. God's given us so many good things here. He's given bajillions of flowers, and every year they come, the flowers, we see the beauty and creation of God, the birds of the air. We see their, their, their beautiful quick uh, beings. I think they, we, we have those, uh, what do they call those things now that uh, they flop in there? What do they call those things that uh, were the... Drones, thank you, I couldn't think of them. Now we got pictures of our church, aerial pictures of our church. We never could do that before because we can't fly like a bird. But they always make a nice soft landing, those birds. You think of the, 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 uh, the natural world around us. By the way, every Christian, we're going to make a soft landing one day. And we're gonna, when we get to heaven, it'll be a wonderful time when God carries us with his chariot to heaven. <laughs> let her see here. I've got to quit preaching and start teaching here. Let, let her see. Reflect on your own past experience. Seven antidotes for worry. Think how many times God has delivered you through your trials and tribulations. Mark Twain said it this way. I have endured many trials and tribulations in life, some of which actually happened. <laughs> You'll get that in a minute here. But, you know, we think that our life is tougher than it really is. We've all had our trials and tribulations through life. But we're here this morning. God's, God brought us through, didn't he? He'll bring us through again. Letter D, recognize the futility and foolishness of worry. It's, it's absolutely vain. And Jesus is trying to tell us this over and over again and this, the futility of it, how useless it is, how uh, time-wasting it is, how we can't add one cubit to our stature. Uh, it is. If we, so why worry about it? Letter E, concentrate on your testimony and the effect of worry on it. Verse 31. Concentrate on your testimony and the effect of worry on it. Take no thought for your life or take no thought again saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed. Have a testimony that's vibrant with God and not complaining. Somebody in this room, and I'll leave them unnamed, but I'm, 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 you're in the sound of my voice here. Uh, You'd get mad at me if I used you in illustration, so I won't. But somebody here has a medical issue and, uh, in their life. And I didn't know they had this medical issue, for, and they've had it for a long time. And I, I was shocked, and I finally found out a little while ago, a couple months ago, whatever it was. I said, really? You have this in your life? I said, yeah, I never knew that. Well, I don't talk about it. It's okay. It's all right. I've had it for 20 years. The Lord's taken care of me, and... Uh, this person has a stellar testimony. I'm talking to somebody in this room here. I'm probably talking about a half dozen people, one per person in particular. They're more worried about their testimony, not worried about their current medical state in life, but more worried about uh, having a shining testimony for the Lord. Then letter F. Put the emphasis upon doing the will of God 
and seeking to advance his kingdom, count on him to do the rest. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. My delight is to do the will of God. I mean, Jesus said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What is your greatest desire in your life? To do God's will, I hope. Um, I'll let my guard down and be a little bit, I don't want to get you overly excited or overly inquisitive, or, uh, but I think it's no secret to most, of, to most everybody here, the core people that we're, we're in the search mode for uh, assistant or associate pastor. Or, uh, I need a young guy to help me out. I say a young guy. I need somebody that's not me, you know, not, not an old man like me. I need somebody that's young. And so we got our feelers out and so forth. So I was talking to a certain somebody on Thursday night, and uh, I, I'll say his name was Bill. His name's not Bill, but I'll just pretend it's Bill for a moment. I said, Bill, really, after we talked for a half hour, 45 minutes, really what do I want? Now, really, we need somebody desperately. We'd love to have a helper come in very soon here. But uh, really what I want is just the will of God to be done, whatever the will of God is. If you're not supposed to be here, I don't want you here. If uh, I want the will of God done in your life, I want the will of God done in our church. That's all I want done, just the will of God to be done. Really, that's all that really matters. It's the will of God to be done in our life and in, in our church life. Uh, his will, not our will, to be done. Letter G, a seventh antidote for worry. Live life in, quote-unquote, day-tight compartments, day-tight. In other words, AA stole this from Christianity. That's okay. I like that phrase. Live one day at a time. Just one day at a time. Sufficient unto today is the evil thereof. Today! Live for the Lord. Today, do right. Today, well, let me encourage you. Let me go seven days out. Next, uh, next, next week on this seventh day will be another Sunday. Covenant with your, in your mind to be faithful to the house of God on Sunday, Lord's Day, the first day of the week. Say, I'm going to do there. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be there. I'm going to make that day be special and be in the house of God. Make it be a part of your regimen, your daily life. Things go better with church. Things go better with Christ. Things go better when you put him first, one day at a time. So today, live for the Lord and let tomorrow take care of itself. Well, this leads us to some concluding thoughts. Seven ways to keep first God's kingdom. The key verse really would be of this chapter. We use three, the key phrases, take no thought, but the key verse would be verse 33. Let's, let's quote it together, ready? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Number one, letter A. Seek to build his kingdom by winning and serving others. We only have one life to live for the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs, he that winneth souls is wise. The Bible says that we need to win people to Christ. Now, we don't save anybody. We know that. This is Christianity 101. Christ does all the saving. But we are his servants for Christ's sake. We are his mouthpiece. God's called us to win the world to Christ and uh, win, win people to Christ. And the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? So we should be concerned with winning and serving others, not being served, not uh, being uh, taken care of and pampered and so forth. But the Bible says, Jesus said, whosoever be great among you, let him be servant of all. So we need to be winning others to the kingdom of Christ. If you're here and you're not saved today, if you're not known Christ as your Savior, God wants you to he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to... I was watching football last night here, and I saw every time they hit the field goal, it says that same person. It's, I don't know how they get to all the games, but they get the same person with that sign, John three sixteen. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And uh, God loves you. God wants to save you today if you're not saved. If you're not a child of God, you need to be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. And so we seek God first by seeking to win and to serve others. Then letter B, turn to God first for help. But seek ye at convenience the kingdom of God. Seek ye second the kingdom of God. Seek ye last the kingdom of God. No, seek ye first. Now, I don't want to wind it down here, but uh, let me, I don't want to be negative, but this is, this is a, I'm tattling as I call it now. This is true. One of the things that bother me as a pastor, I'm thankful for people that call me on their, when their relatives call me when they're on their deathbed, their relatives on their deathbed. You know how many hundreds of times, or at least scores and scores of times I've been called. The last person to call is the preacher before somebody dies. And I've been at the graveside of somebody in a coma and somebody they can't talk to me any longer. They've called all the doctors. They've called all the relatives. They've called all the people. And there's nobody left to call. They finally call on the quote-unquote man of God. And when I pray for them, I don't even know if they can hear me, of course. I would have liked to have talked to them before they went into coma. Uh... They didn't seek first the kingdom of God, sadly, and I'm glad they don't misunderstand me. If your relative's dying, I hope you call me. But the Bible doesn't say seek last. The final resort, seek God. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek God first, then let her see. Fill your thoughts with his desires. You see, our desire is the kingdom of God, not our own kingdom building, not our own well-being, not our own uh, prosperity or comfort or what have you, creature comforts, what have you. Seek his desires first. My delight is to do thy will, O God, the psalmist said. Letter D, take heed to, or take his character for your pattern. Take his character for your pattern and uh, decide that you want to live like Christ. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and live like Christ. Letter E. Serve and obey him in everything. Everything. Serve and obey him in everything. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Put him first in your life. Not second, not third, not, not last, not when it's convenient, but in everything. Letter F. Strive to maintain an unspotted testimony. May your testimony be pure and spotless. And may be a, a sons of God. Uh, not causing blasphemy to his name. Then, then letter G, in an illustration here, we're done. Make your major investments in, his work, in him in his work. I'm all for retirement planning. I'm all for income planning. And if you do that, hopefully you do that. I trust that you do. But the Bible says, Jesus Christ himself said in verse number 19, notice it with me, chapter 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth doth, doth corrupt, nor thieves do break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. M make your major investments in the work of God. Some of you did that last week. Uh, two weeks ago, we gave a sacrificial love offering. There were some serious sacrificial gifts that were given, and I... 
I never find out who gives, but I just want to say a blanket thank you to everybody that thought it well enough to put the kingdom of God first and the house of God first and keep those lights on with our missionaries and so forth. And I think of uh, all the things that we can worry about, and I close with, in just a moment, we're going to sing the song by Albert Tindley. It's called Leave It There. He said, in these, he said just listen to the words, if you would, please, to this song. Leave it there. If the world from you withhold all its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain, and your soul is almost sinking in despair, Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When your enemies assail and your heart begins to fail, don't forget that God in heaven answers prayer. He will make a way for you and will lead you safely through. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Verse 4 says, When your youthful days are gone and old age is stealing on, and your body bends beneath the weight of care. He will never leave you then. He'll go with you to the end. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. There's a little song, and of course you know the phrase, many of you. Why, why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus. He'll find a way. Don't be a Donnie Thomas, rest fully on his promise. Why worry, worry, worry when you can pray? The sin of worry. Take no thought for your life. God's in control. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Heavenly Father. Lord, it is, what should be.